Hi, and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. So Pinky Mackay, just one of my favourite people and obviously a woman with incredibly great, good taste in pink hair. Um, It's great to have you on the She's the Boss podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Jules. Oh, my pleasure. So let's start so that everybody knows a little bit about you. And I'm sure there won't be very many people that haven't. If they've had a baby, they'll know about you. But what is it that you do now? Now, well, I'm actually a lactation consultant, which means that, you know, I do thousands of hours supporting, learning about breastfeeding and boobs and babies and mouths and mums and um, infant health. And so I work helping support mothers who want to breastfeed. And also um, through that, seeing mums, you know, visiting mums in their homes in those early days and seeing mums hadn't eaten any food no one was looking after them. I started to make, um, you know, I'd been handing out recipes for years. And of course, nobody can cook. They can't even make a sandwich. They haven't a recipe a for shower. what? You know, I know, so I know. You can't, you, you don't have time to do anything in that first couple of weeks for sure. No. So anyway, I, I started to, started a business called Booby Foods and or Booby right. Brands and started <laughs> with a couple of skews of different kinds of bickies, and off we went. You know, I gathered the people, but that will come in the story later, I'm sure. So you're selling booby biscuits, and you've also got booby cereal, haven't you? Yes, booby brekkie. And why is it called booby? What does it do? Booby brekkie. Well, the the ingredients are nourishing for breastfeeding mums, and they also um, support lactation. You know, they have lactogenic ingredients is what, you know, the label is for yep. these kind of foods that support a healthy milk and supply. And it's amazing. Now, so it's really um, like eating an oatmeal cookie and if you're a breastfeeding mum and suddenly your milk comes in. And I know it works because my neighbour, who was about, uh, I think she, her baby was about two weeks old, I remember, and I was trying to sort of bring over food and she was going, oh, my milk. And I said, and you had given me some. I don't know why you thought I would want booby bickies other than to look at them on the desk. But I gave them to her. And the next day she said, oh, my God, I was flooded with milk last night. So it really, really works. Yeah, well, it depends. You know, women have to have, can have underlying physical reasons right. why their milk supply is low. Um, you know, and look, at it, and it can be a thing like a baby not feeding effectively. So those things do need to be addressed, of course. But it... You know, it's just lovely that these mums have got a treat, better than chocolate. It's yes. not going to give your baby a bellyache. And also, you know, the the research is not – we're actually doing some work with the university at the moment, you know, doing research. But the, the crazy thing is, you know, even if it's placebo, it's amazing. And we had our best testimonials from a woman whose dog had eight puppies. And three weeks in, this dog's – three weeks in, this dog's milk – um, you know, disappeared and the pups were chasing the dog all around the pen trying to get at this poor mother. And <laughs> the neighbour of this lady who owned the dogs gave us some booby bickies. She fed them to the dog and within 24 hours that dog's lying down with full tits feeding her eight puppies. And I'm just laughing going, I don't think the dog thought it was placebo. I wonder if that's actually, I wonder if that's a whole market, new market for you hadn't thought of, pet food lactation. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> So tell me, why did you set it up? What happened that made you want to set it up in the first place? Well, it was really, a friend said to me, you know, have you heard of 
lactation cookies. I said, oh, hell yeah, I've been making them for years. I used to make them for all my friends when we had babies. I said, um, you know, and I give mum's recipes. I said, I've got a recipe in one of my books because I'm also an author. You know, yes, I've got you are. five books. And, a yeah. vid- and you used to have videos. I think we first met maybe 20 yes, years ago when you did a, video. a baby DVD. massage video. DVD right. back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I have that online as a video, you know, so that people can download it. But yep. yes, so yeah, I'm also a baby massage instructor, you know, trained as a baby massage instructor. So they've got lots of that baby background yes, type do. of stuff. But um, yeah, anyway, this friend said to me, so why don't you make them? And I sort of went, poo-hoo, I've never made food. You know, my <laughs> kids complain about my cooking, except they will eat my baking. And um, the idea just didn't go away. So I came back to Melbourne and I happened to mention it to my designer and he said, my housemate manages a bakery. I said, I'm coming to see him. And look, that very same week, within three days, another friend of mine, um, and we'd done Ali Brown's um, mentorship together for a year in the States. And she's from um, Newcastle. And she rang me and said she'd been to lunch with this amazing woman. It turned out to be Cindy Lucan from Lucan and May Foods, who'd sold her cookie business to, you know, for millions. Right. And I said, give me a number. And I rang her and I said, what would I need to start making cookies? And she gave me the number of a food technologist in Melbourne. So I connected her, I connected the bakery person. And next thing I knew, I was sitting in Vizzy asking them, could they make a carton like a milk carton? Like my, my ideas just kept coming. And I'm, I'm there, I had no idea how to even make a carton or what was involved or how you printed or designed or anything. So I had my designer, I had a bakery. I had chefs and I had the food technologist all to guide me. Isn't that amazing? It all just came together like the universe was saying, you days, have to do like this. It was just like the universe was saying, come and do this. Yep, yep, amazing. Yeah. So was there a bit of a light bulb moment when you decided to start doing it or was it just that thought that just kept on going around in your head? It was that thought that just kept on going and me thinking, well, you know, I'm not a... I can't do that. It's whenever I find a challenge, I go, how can I meet it? Yes. You know, like, oh, when it's money, how can I make that? You know, yep. so, so I'm more of a how can I do it person than a that's not possible person. Which is, uh, you know, and I would encourage anyone listening, that is the mindset you need to have, really, if you're going to be an entrepreneur and be successful. Yeah, just have to believe in yourself, back yourself and go for it. Yeah. Um, So let's go right the way back to when Pinky was a little girl. And I want you to tell me the story to now about your entrepreneurial journey. But what happened? Because I bet when you left school, you didn't say, when I grow up, I want to make milk biscuit milk. Oh, (laughs) no, I didn't say I want to work with mothers and babies. I was actually asked to leave school. Oh, were you? (laughs) I was 16 and the teachers had called my mother in for a meeting. I mean, as an adult, I have been diagnosed with ADHD. No. I don't even think it's, a, you know, it's not a handicap. It's not anything. No. It's just you're a multi-focused, you know, thinker kind of person. Um, anyway, I was called in. Um, I'm not sure which incident that was. You know, I'd been kicked out of maths <laughs> and went out went out in the sunshine at the back of the school and took my uniform off and was sunbaking and the headmistress walked around the corner. She wasn't happy with me. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine why not, setting such a good I example all and all. Of, no, I mean... You know, my best, bestest subject was English and my English teacher just used to point to me and say three or five or two or whatever it was, point to me and give me a number. And that was how many laps around the oval I had to run before I was allowed back in the class. And, you know, I was a great 
athlete at the time. Oh, my God. I'm glad I didn't have that. They just made me stand out in the corridor. So my mother was called into a meeting (laughs) with the teachers and she said, I'm not coming to any more damn meetings. You can do what you like with her. I've had a gut full of her too. (laughs) Oh, lovely. Well, my mum actually had a lot of mental health problems. She has a bipolar disorder that wasn't diagnosed in those days. So by the age of 12, my dad was a truck driver, couldn't read or write. He had dyslexia and had left school at 10. So by 12, I was actually doing his accounts and his books. And every night, my mum was in hospital, in a psych hospital, and I would get out his diary and I would take the big black diary and I'd write down the jobs he'd done that day. And at the weekend, I would do, and I was still at primary school, and I would do his invoices and take them to the post office on my way to school on Monday. That is amazing, isn't it? I mean, you'd hear about the toughness, and I'm not saying that there aren't loads of kids doing it tough at the moment, but, you know, that's pretty full on doing that at that such a young full age. It's but it was actually just my reality. I yeah. mean, I, I'd always any been... No, I didn't know any different. I mean, you know, and I remember one of my memories was about eight. You know, I, I had a baby sister and I absolutely loved babies. Um... Never thought I'd ever work with mothers and babies, but I did love babies. And I remember having her on my hip as I called the doctor one morning for my mum. And the doctor went to wash his hands. Someone had vomited in the hand basin. And I had a baby on my hip while I washed out that hand basin while that prick of a doctor stood there and watched. Oh. Like, you know, there's just some of those memories that That's you go, stick in your mind. I will never be unkind to a child. No, that's and that's a very good point. So... Okay, so you're 16 and you get kicked out of school. What happened? And then? I left school, and my mother took me to a, a hospital about th- an hour away because, and I, w- I was 16 and a half, and they accepted me to do nursing on the spot, on the spot, and wow. but I, I think what they saw was an able-bodied, you know, young woman that they could put to work because we worked six days a week in those days, and so you could get a 13-day fortnight you know and then get two days off if you've got two days off yeah and we got paid 28 dollars a fortnight oh isn't it's just bought a uniform supplied and by the second year my room was at the top of the fire escape so i did not worry about curfew (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so you lived in with nursing is that sort of because i know that's how it works at the yeah you lived in so that was really good for my mum because she didn't have to worry about me anymore other people were in charge of me and how long does how long does a nursing um training take is that two or three years well, in those years, those days, the course that I did was, yeah, it was about two and a half years, nearly three years. So did you stay there or did you move on once you qualified? No, I stayed there until I was qualified and then I started, tra- went travelling. Oh, where'd mm. you go? Well, I came to Australia. I was heading to the Olympic Games in Munich. Yeah. And, and I met a man in the pub and I ended up <laughs> hanging out with him. Well, look, and see, I went to Sydney first, actually, and I... Where from? Are, we, are you from New Zealand originally? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realise that. So you right? So you came to Australia? Yeah, and I um went to Sydney first. I had a one way ticket and eighty dollars. I think I'd saved up, and um I bunked in with a friend that was from school, and she'd had a baby. You know, she'd got pregnant when we were about seventeen, right. and she just she'd had her baby. And so I stayed with her for a couple of months. Then I moved out. But I met a girl who was a hairdresser. Uh, she had a salon in Cronulla. And, um, she, <laughs> Don't tell me ap- that's when the pink hair started. No. <laughs> her apprentice um, 
had left, you know, left her in the lurch. So I was doing shampoos and stuff for her, cleaning her salon. And she sent me off to Revlon to do a course in manicures and makeup. Right. And at nights, I got a job in a nursing home at night time. So I'd work a couple of nights a week and then I'd, you know, just change my clothes, have a shower and go to the salon. And um, yeah, it was the days of green eyeshadow. <laughs> That's just conjuring up an interesting image. So, so what did you do after? So, so you've trained as a nurse. So then but I you're came down to nursing. Melbourne, right. and I needed to live in again. So I, I went to a hospital, and I got a job, and I worked in radiology at the old Panch Hospital. And you know, we used to go to the Croxton Park Hotel, and um, and someone again, someone gave me a key yeah. to the nurses' home. And if you came in through emergency, you could actually use that key to get back, sneak back in, because oh. we had curfews in those days. You know, eleven p.m. You had to be in. Right. Let's not talk so, about curfews for anyone listening. We're right in the middle of the Melbourne. We're in one. Melbourne. We have a <laughs> and it's eight p.m. Not eleven no p.m. Sneaking in. <laughs> Um, okay, so what what happened after that? So you've trained in nursing in Melbourne. How long did you nurse for? I don't know, years off and on. But I, I then got married and then we had I had one baby and I was actually travelling by tram. We lived in North Melbourne. We right. got a little apartment in North Melbourne because I was pregnant with my first child. Um, I'd been on the pill. Oh, something else <laughs> funny. What? You couldn't get the pill unless you were married. So... One of the girls lent me her engagement ring so I could go to staff clinic. And get the that, you know, it's uh, would, that would be incredible for probably some young women listening to think that you couldn't get the pill till you were married. I um, have a lot of family in Ireland, and Ireland only um, took the pill off prescription, so you had to go to the doctor to get it. Um, not took it off prescription, sorry, gave it to unmarried women. It was like 1994 or something. It was wow. so recent. Wow. Well, I was on it for years for my periods, but, you know, I was still a virgin then. So <laughs> I, my, my girlfriends who were getting pregnant were saying to me, you're wasting that bloody pill. <laughs> but no, then we had our first baby, but I was traveling backwards and forwards to North Melbourne on the tram over summer because he was an April baby. Yeah. Getting bigger and bigger and bigger, working, um, you know, and there was a heat wave on that year. So I was pretty, pretty full on. Um, and then I had him and... I was seriously the only person I knew breastfeeding and I went to the doctor. Really? Yep. Yep. Oh, there was a doctor's, a doctor's wife and a dentist's wife in North Melbourne who breastfed for three months and that's what you did. In the, it was in the 70s. That's what you did. Um, so breastfeed for three months and then move on to formula, is it? Yeah, yeah. That was a good start. Like right. nobody even thought there were any benefits after that, whereas... Because I'd come from New Zealand, because I'd nursed in maternity wards in New Zealand, I actually saw how quickly women's uteruses went down, how good their boobs were while they were breastfeeding. Now I was Mrs. Flatchest, so I decided I would. I was. <laughs> you were going to breastfeed know, 20, for as long as possible. <laughs> I was going to. I was a young mum, and I was going to breastfeed through summer so I could wear a bikini finally. But, <laughs> and anyway, I went to the doctor at eight months, and. I had a lump in my breast. I'd had a terrible start because my son was in um, NICU for quite a while. He was a big fat baby, but got an infection very What's early NICU? On. Na- pre-natal. Neonatal intensive care unit. Okay. Yeah, and then readmitted to hospital, you know, at six oh, weeks. So there was a lot of there was a lot of hard stuff, and I didn't have any family around, so you know, I I just had to tough it out. Um, and um, you know, so so I knew that struggle of a new mum, 
and eight months I'm out to the doctor with a lump in my breast and he presses my breast and out squirts the milk in the doctor's face. You know, he said, oh, were you breastfeeding? Turned out I had, you know, I was starting to get mastitis, but I didn't even know what it was. Oh, um, right. And he probably didn't know either, hardly, did he? Well, he wasn't too bad. He figured it out. But my cheerleader then was a beautiful elderly woman, Mrs Goldberg, who was at the fruit shop. And she would cut a piece of apple off and give it to my baby. Um, you know, and she would tell me how she'd breastfed through a concentration camp for two years. She'd managed to keep her baby right. alive. Right. So, you know, amazing. So she was my so cheerleader. Did that sort of, yeah, I was going to say plant the seed of, you know, I'm just going to do this for as long as I want. You can keep doing this. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that was it. And when it, about nine months, we came, we went back to New Zealand um, and we lived there. My husband got a job there um, because housing was pretty expensive compared to our wages in Melbourne. And we thought we could do that in New Zealand. We did buy a house in New Zealand. Um, but I went to the Leche League to find out how to wean my child. Yeah. And found out that I didn't actually have to wean him. By then he was 12 months old and walking around. And, and I realised he could wean himself. You know, it could all be gradual because yeah. I was getting anxious. And, you know, my mother, you know, in those days, if you don't wean that child, you'll lose your husband. Oh, you'll <laughs> lose your husband. Nothing to do with the child. <laughs> no, because, because you know what? You're giving that baby so much attention. It was in those days... Even the books, the magazines were all telling you how to keep your marriage going because you had to mother your husband. And you know, all and about I... looking after the, the, the husband and not the child, which, of course, has flipped completely now. And there are, I guess yeah, maybe that's why... Yeah, a happy medium. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so um, when did and you... And that was the start of my, you know, then I became a breastfeeding counsellor. And I also worked weekends as a nurse in the maternity ward. Right. So, you know, I was I was back into that mother sort of mode again and then when I came we came back to Melbourne about five years later again once again you know I went to a nursing mother's meeting with my six-month-old baby and was told this is our night out without our children because it was my third baby was six months old and I just thought well screw the lot of you I don't need this bullshit yeah right you know um so yeah and I was I was actually I there was a um lactation physiologist a scientist at Ruakura which was near Hamilton where we lived who worked with dairy stuff but also had invented an amazing breast pump now it was a big thing on wheels that you had to wheel around the ward <laughs> but it actually had soft cups that pulsated it was electric the first electric breast pump amazing because back in the day there was a whole glass thing with a rubber bulb at the end and you squeezed it and it wrecked your nipples but right. that was all I'd had when my baby was in the nursery and um so I learned to be really good at hand expressing um and I could probably teach a mother how to get milk out of a rock, you know, like, <laughs> yes, right. I'm so good at this. But, um, yeah, and I went to Sydney to a conference to demonstrate this milker and I took, naturally took my six-month-old fully breastfed baby with me and I was told to put her in the creche and I said, well, I'll go and sit in the creche with her and I came back and I went, bugger that, you know. So I actually started a actually group in Melbourne. We got to three groups. So, again, it was supporting mums. And because it was an international organisation, there were lots of other um, women from, you know, there was a woman from Turkey, a woman from Germany, a woman from UK, women from Ireland. There were, you know, expats that all got together and were still friends with some of those women. Oh, fantastic. Um, but it also was more about mothering than just breastfeeding, which... Yes, breastfeeding, mothering through breastfeeding, I guess, which, again, 
filters in through about the work that I do that this mother needs to be supported. Yeah, I know you've always been a, a big champion of the mums and to and to, you know, understand the because it is you know, I mean, it can for, be for hard. Ha- there's a lot of emotional stuff. Yeah. And the mother has to be happy. You know, it has to be about her goals, not my goals. Yes. Yeah. You know, I can say, look, I breastfed for years, but you may not want to. So when did you decide to go out on your own? Like, was this around that time that you started offering lactation? No, it was actually when, it wasn't till, when, actually, when I was pregnant with my fifth child, my bonus baby. (laughs) Did everyone hear that? Fifth child, yes. (laughs) Yeah, my bonus baby, because I had, my oldest children was almost 16 and almost 18. I had four kids in 10 years, and then I had this little surprise. Right. And I always called him the bonus baby, not the afterthought or anything, because it was a bonus. Yes. You know, he's a beautiful young man now, but... You know, this bonus baby and I how, can was I ask how up. old you were when you had your last one then? Thirty nine. Oh yes, so I would say that was young. That's when I had my twins, but yeah, it's getting towards yeah, the tail yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's still young enough, but it was just yeah. you know, that I'd already had four kids yes, and then I go you're fifth. Far out, I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet that was and, an interesting conversation with your hubby. Well it was more interesting with my teenage sons. <laughs> yeah. They you were know, going, they looked from it, it, Ew, like there's a KFC ad or something like that on at the moment and that was almost what they did. They looked from one to the other and it in unison said, you don't still do <laughs> it. I know. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. They'd yeah. be grossed out Those by teenage that. boys. So anyway, when I was pregnant with him, I, I had threatened to miscarry with my other girls. But by then I had started now before him when Sarah was two. So that was about five years before that. I had actually, I was homeschooling my kids and I actually got into um, copy school, which was run in Melbourne around the top out. Can I ask why you thought of even asking to join copy school? Well, I did. I was homeschooling my kids and I saw this thing in the paper and thought, what an amazing exercise to do with my kids. It was really creative. Okay. Because I wasn't following a curriculum. You know, I was learning as that. You know, I was sort of facilitating everything as they wanted to know. I mean, yes, of course, they had to do their maths and they had to do their writing and reading. But, you know, this was an interesting side thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, you had to come up with a brand of instant coffee and you had to write, you know, an ad and you had to come up with some names for it and all this stuff. And then I read it and I thought, ah, I think I'll send that in. I thought it was some sort of competition. Right. And then I get this letter. They took 10 people a year and had 2,000 entrants. So, and you went around the top ad agencies in Melbourne two nights a week, you know, and I had a two-year-old breastfeeding child. You did weekend workshops at Warburton, and I took my two-year-old breastfeeding child with me to the weekend workshops where everybody was in black, black and black in the 80s. Yes. And, you know, it was the Simon Reynolds time, the bowling ball ad, all of that. <laughs> and babies it. weren't really the, uh, the accessory they du weren't jour, the accessory, were they? <laughs> no, very expensive alcohol was. We had a talent quest and I won the talent quest. Wow. Um, so I just did a comedy thing, you know, and I won the talent quest, went home with an absolute massive magnum of champagne and my husband was going, what the hell have you been doing all weekend? <laughs> <laughs> I got kicked out of one of the, the client briefing because a client would come on the Friday night. I get kicked out of that because my two-year-old wouldn't be quiet um, and still managed to, you know, do a campaign. That's and amazing. There wouldn't be a hell of a lot of mums of five with a newborn that would be able to do that. So did that sort of put a bit of fire in your belly to go out on your own? Oh, yeah, yeah, because I was doing, you know, I was doing my own thing, you know, doing the advertising, copywriting. And then I started... 
I got, I have Graves' disease, which is an autoimmune disorder, which free right. from that. But I actually came up with this massive lump in my neck and everybody thought I had cancer. I didn't. It was a, an inflamed thyroid, which started, triggered my health problems. And so I couldn't get out. I couldn't even walk past the letterbox for six months. So I couldn't even get out and see clients and write their ad copy because I was right. doing ad copy for a lot of local businesses. Oh, so you actually moved into ad copy as opposed to lactation nursing at first. Oh, yeah, I hadn't done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I didn't realise. I, I didn't realise. Yeah. Okay, yep. And so because I couldn't get anywhere, I actually wrote an article and sent it in to the Herald, the Herald it was in those days, the afternoon paper to the Education Age, and it was about homeschooling. And then someone else saw that. No, it was the age. That's right. Then someone from the Herald saw that article and contacted me and said, can you come and write for me? It was that easy. Oh, my goodness. So I was writing for the Herald and I was writing for the age because you could do both in those days. And Rosemary West was running a feminist page in the age. Yeah. And she was giving me assignments. So here I am sitting there with a breastfeeding three-year-old by this stage <laughs> on my boob. Thank God we didn't have video phone. And she's directing me to get out and do um, write about a one-woman play of King Lear right and I had to go and do this for the feminist page you know so you know and I'm trying to keep this kid quiet so of course I pull up my jumper because that'll shut her up yes and and I'm thinking if you could see me now and you think I'm going to write about a one-woman play of King Lear (laughs) (laughs) so it was all good fun and um yeah and then um when I fell pregnant with James I I know I was writing for baby magazines as well. I, you know, I mean, when I realised I could make money writing, fit it in around my kids, off I went. Right. And you know, you, you know, I sort of say, you know, I wrote, I wrote the house paint. You know, I wrote to, I wrote the kitchen reno. I, you know, all those sorts. Well, of Well, I know that, now. I mean, in the time I've known you, you're amazing, and you're always getting publicity. So I didn't realise that it started so young. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been going for years, and um, then. Uh, some because well, I was writing for baby magazines, someone approached me, I think it was Prentice Hall, some publisher approached me to um, edit a or translate edit an American book yeah. to Australian stuff. And when I read it, it was about, you know, talking to kids. The title was the whole page, you know. So I called it How Do We Tell the Kids? And it was the whole page of the cover, you know, talking to kids about really important things, blah, 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 blah. And when I went through it, I went, this is so conservative. You know, don't, if you're talking to kids, you have to talk about the hard stuff. Oh, right. So it was, you know, if you have a miscarriage, don't tell your, or don't tell your children to, you're pregnant too soon because if you have a miscarriage, you're going to have to explain that. And I'm thinking, for God's sake, mummy's going to be a little bit disconnected. They might need to know. So I went out <laughs> and interviewed. There's something happening, yes. Yeah, there's something happening. So I went out and interviewed all the experts. And, you know, and I'd say to them because... In those days, because it was pre-internet, so you didn't have people talking to you like you were a person. You know, it was the intellectuals were up there, and then mums were down here, and we didn't get that information. I mean, it's flipped on its head now. We have so much information, we don't trust our intuition. And I did right. a TED talk about this too. You know, about surrender's not a dirty word was my TED talk thing. But you know how how. We used to have intuition, but we didn't have knowledge. But now we have so much knowledge, we don't even trust our intuition. And we need a bit of both. But Yeah. Um, That's v- yeah very wise really... words there, Pinky. Yeah. Well, I think as mums, we, 
the human race would have died out if we didn't have a little bit of intuition and common sense and <laughs> imprinting about how to mother, whether we loved how our own mothers mothered or not. I mean, they all yeah. had some good stuff in there, even if they weren't fabulous. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I, I think my mother was quite wise in some ways, you know, to <laughs> push me out of the nest. <laughs> but, you know, and so anyway, that writing went on and then I started um, editing some magazines um, and then one of the magazines I was editing was A Bargain Shopper's Guide to Melbourne because somebody had fallen out of that and the publisher I was doing, you know, they got me to do a baby book. Just handed it I was to you, go and do that one. Pregnant, go and do that one. And then I got a radio show. Um, wow. I was on 3AW, Ernie Segley and Caro Wilson and people like that were doing the afternoon show and every Friday I would have a bargain of the week and cars were turning up at these bargain outlets as they were driving past. Like I hadn't even got off the radio and they, the people were just, you know, what oh, can you do me next week? It's amazing actually the power of radio just to, as a little aside anyway. A lot of people don't think about it, but it is so powerful, particularly for yeah. people in their cars. <laughs> Yeah, people sort of think it's a second-rate thing, but people in their cars... That's the first thing you do, turn on the radio. Well, you'll be doing podcasts now if you're in your car. (laughs) I'm still doing radio, but I hear you. (laughs) Yeah, so, So, you know, everything just evolved from that. And then um, someone came at me with a book. Oh, what was it? It was was a baby book or something, you know, that I'd done. And, oh, that's right, because because I was seeing all these mums, I was seeing that flip from intuition to intellect yeah and I thought we need a book that doesn't tell people what to do that encourages people to think you know you do need you do need evidence around what safety is but apart from that you know you do need the evidence but then you need to home in on what feels right for you and I always say to mums is it safe is it respectful and does it feel right for you and if you can filter that you know all those noises out so I came up with the idea for a book called parenting by heart yes and I rang a publisher, and it was Lothian in those days. I rang up and I asked them who their acquisitions editor was. I didn't quite know the name, but yeah. I, they told me, and there's this lovely woman called Elizabeth. So I put the phone down and then I rang Elizabeth and told Elizabeth I had this idea. And she said, we don't do parenting books. I said, but I was having a lovely chat to her. And I said, but if I just send you a one-pager, would you be able to tell me where I could send it? And so I sent her a one-pager and next week I was having lunch with Elizabeth. (laughs) And she said, we want to do this book, but we want you to do it for fathers too. So what I did, I went out and interviewed lots of parents. And I was saying to the men, you know, nowadays we would say partners. Yeah. But, you know, the fathers. um, And saying to them, I don't want to know how you change nappies or anything else. I want to know how you feel. And these men were teary. Nobody ever asked Asked the father how they feel. And so I intersperse all my books with parents' stories because I think it's lovely that it shows that there's more than one way. Yes, I think I agree. And, you know, if you can identify with another parent and how she feels or he feels, you go, well, I'm not such a bad person after all. You know, I'm not a crap mother or a crap dad because someone else feels like I feel, you know, it's, it's really nice. So with my social media, all that sort of stuff, I always put in, you know, stories and things that you can relate to, whether that's around anxiety or postnatal depression or whether it's around breastfeeding grief or whether, I mean, I, 
when I was working with you doing the media um, accelerator, you know, I did an article when breastfeeding goes tits up. That's right. I and, love that heading. <laughs> and then I, I changed that from press release and I've used it as a blog and I've interviewed mums about their feelings, you know. So it's not about judging and it's not about a right way because there's so many other influences. Well, yes, come exactly. Into it. But let me bring you back now to your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. Um, so you've, you've, you started writing books. You had the radio show. What happened after that? I mean, that, oh, that's actually, amazing. I was at a conference actually. and someone said to me, why don't you do your lactation training? And I went, oh, again, you know, like I just keep having these little seeds. And I, and I went onto the website and looked it up and I went, holy crap, I have got all the background. I just need to do the study because you had to have had a certain number of hours you know, actually Helping teaching people. mums about breastfeeding, yep. you know, and I'd, I'd done that as my, you know, I was doing that as my nursing work because I was still doing some agency nursing and things like that. So, you know, I had done that as a nurse. I had also done it as a breastfeeding counsellor and I did the study and set the exam probably a couple of months later, like really quickly. A lot of people right. do that study yeah. over time, but I just did it. Thought, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I either know it or I don't, you know, and went and did it and flew through got amazing marks and um, then started in private practice. Right. And so, so that was sort of entrepreneurial. I mean, the, the writing obviously was entrepreneurial. It was. Yes. All of it was. Look, you, you obviously it clearly, it might not have had that name, but you clearly decided that you could make a difference and that you wanted to go out on your own and stop listening to all the naysayers. I would say yes. that's entrepreneurial. Yeah, I never did. And I mean, even when I started Booby You never do, husband, I would say to this day. <laughs> yeah. Even my husband was saying to me, you know, what the hell are you doing? You're going to lose the effing house. And I went, I have no debt. I have absolutely no debt. Yeah. You know, it took me $10,000 of savings to, you know, pop and, and some of that was on a credit card to pay for the um, cookie, cup, cookie packaging. Yes. And, you know, everything else, I, I was still working as a lactation consultant. So I still had my day job visiting mums, getting that money, putting it into that business. And it was such a good decision because it happened really fast that it just took off, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, pretty quickly. I mean, within um, my daughter was still working flight centre manager, and um, then she got a job part time at the airport yeah. doing flight centre in Sydney. And it was the funniest thing because we needed, you know, all of a sudden we needed a loading dock because she was getting bickies sent to her in Sydney, and she was shipping them out. Yeah, she was doing all that work while I did all the publicity, which. Again, I didn't pay for it. I wrote blogs for every mum and baby website in town, I think. You know, I wrote blogs for them for free, magazines in exchange for ads. You know, I did contras left, right and centre, which meant that I wasn't paying money for, you know, advertising. I was doing, you know, contras. Yeah. And um, she was madly doing that. You know, she's very good with the money section. Now she lives in Dubai and she's got a baby of her own that's three months old, but she still manages our money. But when she, you know, and then she, we had the loading dock we needed. So she was using the loading dock at Sydney airport completely illegally. <laughs> and getting the biscuits delivered, you know, to the loading dock at the airport. And she would put these cartons of bickies in her big cartons of, you know, 24 packs in a trolley run them across the airport to her Yaris. Right. Tiny little car. Yes. And then 
take them to her apartment, which was up three floors with no elevator. So she'd get the vets upstairs that lived next door to her to help her lift all these boxes. Then they'd have to come back down again and go to the post office. And then it was probably 12 months later and I was, we were at a baby expo in Sydney and she said, um, my job's to get a warehouse this week because it had filled up her apartment, you know, the lounge room, the right. hallway, the spare bedroom because <laughs> her flatmate had moved out and gone off with her partner, you know, so she didn't get a new flatmate. She just filled up that room with right. Vicky's and um, got a warehouse and... Um, yeah, and then, you know, probably 12 months later, three years in or so, three or four years in, she, uh, it would have been four years in, she um, got married to a pilot who got a job. Well, she hadn't even got married at that stage. He got a job in, with Emirates. Right. So he was off to Dubai. She was going out with this guy for quite a while, and I'm laughing. She was just going to go over there and live with him. I said, it'll be stoning, darling. Not, yeah, not stoning. in Dubai. Not in yeah. Dubai. So... And she found out that was true and he arrived back with the diamond and everything else. But when she was about to leave, my autoimmune disorder had flared up again and my daughter-in-law was saying to me, what do you want to do? Because we were, and that's right, we were three years in and we had hit seven figures as turnover. And I'm going, well, we've taken off now. We've got a really, you know, we've got a smooth operation because we started off online, but now we were going into shops. You know, it was, it was quite amazing how that growth had happened. I mean, obviously we'd made it happen. Yes. You know, you, you, course, and you go to course. shops and you suggest they might like to have these products and things. Anyway, um, my daughter-in-law said to me, but what do you want? Because I said, look, if we have to sell, we have to sell. You know, it's a shame, but my relationship with my daughter is more important than a business. You know, oh, there'll be something else. And um, and can I say I was 60 years old when I started Booby Bickies? I know. Actually, I didn't want to ask, but well, I should have asked anyway. But yes, that's very exciting. No, and I don't as well. mind. I don't. I don't. No, care you should be bragging, and I'd be yelling it from the rafters. <laughs> yes, because I don't think there's any barrier. You know, you can still do things, and it's about your energy and your enthusiasm, and about you know how you think. I guess nothing. You know, you can be a young entrepreneur, but you can also be an older woman and do it. Well, that's right. And, I'm 53. Um, I've only started. She's the boss this year. So yeah. Yeah. I'm here. Yes. There's no limit. You could be going till you're 90 and you could have five more businesses in that time. Exactly. So but, don't you let know, age hold you back is what we're saying. Yeah. And when my daughter-in-law said, what do you want to do? I said, I really need another Sarah. And I said, what's Kim doing at the moment? And Kim was her best friend from school. And I'd known her, um, you know, I seen her at kids' birthday She was in the parenting she... space as well because she had the, the belly belt yes. thing, didn't she? Yes. She had a, had a baby business at one stage too, but she'd gone back into corporate because her kids were a little bit bigger. And she was working as HR. And so she said, give her a ring. And she'd obviously given Kim the heads up. And Kim says, well, I don't want to just be a manager. I said, I don't want a manager. I want a partner. She said, well, go and talk to Sarah and see what you actually want. And it just went from there. It's just been the most perfect match because there's three of us. And people like we won Oz Mumpreneur last year. But the question everyone asks is, how do three partners work? And I just go, respect, communication. And we've all got different skill sets. I mean, we can pop in when someone else needs, you know, yes. can say, look, I haven't got time to do X. Can you do this? Which is probably more in her bag. But I can do the same to someone else. You know, it, it just works. Yeah. And we totally respect each other's skills. And You're very got... lucky. Did you, have you hmm. got a contract between the three of you with an exit clause in case anyone wants to get out or not? Yeah, we've got contracts. It's, yeah. it's all it's all legally done, but you know, no, I just, um, I just, so, you know, just for yeah. because having, you know, there's, there's my my mum always goes on about never do business with family and friends, 
So, yeah. which of course... Oh, everyone told me that. They all said all sorts they of strange all do. things. Someone even said to me, never do business with a Greek. Now, Kim's family background is Greek. <laughs> Greek and I just went, I've never heard that one. No, I, I haven't even... heard that one either. That sounds like no. prejudice. <laughs> and who cares? You know, there are people that are super and we've got the best team and we actually run the business very mum friendly, which has worked very well with the COVID thing because yeah. we're already online. And we have other breastfeeding support products as well, you know, that that complement, yeah. you know, beautiful, gorgeous bamboo breast pads. And I was in in the States and um, Sarah, I met up with my daughter. I'd gone over to speak at a breastfeeding conference in Philadelphia and met up with my daughter in Los Angeles. And we found this amazing bra that's a pumping bra as <laughs> well, well as a I remember you bra. showing me the photos of that bra. That was yeah, hilarious. Put two pumps. You put two you pumps know? inside the bra and you basically sit there with those two... And you can out. do what you like. You can rock your baby. You can make a cup of tea. It holds those places in place. in beautifully, which my daughter's using Possibly the, the most unattractive bra you've ever seen, though. Hey? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, and that woman, you know, we ended up in, um, talk about entrepreneurs, we, because the girls there go back to work so early. So we met up with the girl called the Dairy Fairy. Yeah, great name. Which is such a great name. Such a great name. And we're sitting in a cafe in Santa Monica as she's opening her shirt and showing us her bra and how it works. So brilliant. I just think women in business can collaborate. They can do amazing things together. I 100% agree. All right. Now, along your entrepreneurial journey, uh, I, don't, I was actually going to say, are there any women who've helped you? But I'm not even going to bother. I'm going to assume there have been loads of women, including your your two partners. And yeah. is there anyone pivotal that you want to mention that, you well, know? Well, I you... would say Cindy Lucan because she's still, you know, I can still say to her, she's now started a business called Luke Beauty Food. Right. Um, you know, and, and that's it's... right. She makes lipsticks you can eat. Yeah, well, they, they are all made from food ingredients, from so food you're ingredients, not absorbing, yeah. you know, you're not absorbing chemicals. But, you know, she's been amazing. And I can say to her, look, I want to produce a blah, blah. Do you know someone who can do that? You know, or she can say to me, you know, can you give me a connection for whatever? Because our big, our big turning point was getting into Chemist Warehouse. Right. So how long, you know, how long had you had the business before that happened? Um, six to seven years. Oh, right. Oh, it wasn't fast. But that was the change. No, 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 because you have to be big and they came to us. Oh, brilliant. You know, which was a real coup. Now, all of a sudden at the last minute, they wanted to know the size of our cartons, even though we'd given the buyer our cartons. Yeah. And wanted to know the size of our cartons and they were just a few centimetres too big for their planogram to fit on their shelves. Oh, dear. And this was Friday at 5 o'clock, you know, 4.30 p.m., and we needed to know by Monday. And we went, oh, shit. Well, they're milk cartons. Can we cut the top off? I went, yes, quick, let's cut the top off. (laughs) So we found a carton manufacturer um, who could quickly make us a cut. By Monday, we had that meeting. Tuesday morning, we dropped off, and my designer... I worked over the weekend to get these measurements right, wrapped it round, made a fake carton, took it in on Monday morning and said, here you are. You know, so we were totally able – and, and in business, this is it, pivot quickly. Yes. I know pivot's a hard word, but, you know, again, with COVID, this has worked. You know, that that look, the big thing the last few days with the shutdown, we've been up till all hours of the night. Now, we did a COVID preparedness plan and – 
you know, sterile handling and checked our supply line, you know, well, the bakery, because our bakery um, had lost all the airline contracts. They lost all the cafe contracts in the first shutdown. So will they be viable to do our production? Which they have been, thank God. You know, but there've been, you know, all this sort of stress in the background around that. And then we put in a COVID plan. Now, my husband was actually an emergency management consultant at a hospital. He's retired, but he he had done the COVID planning for a major Melbourne hospital. So we got him in to do our, you know, sterile procedures and who has to do what. So we had a written plan signed by all our staff by the end of February. Now, over the last few days, now that we've gone into total lockdown in Melbourne, you have to fill out all these official forms for the government if you want to keep trading. You have to fill out permits for your employees. Yeah. So we've been filling out forms like crazy women and then getting him to check them as well, you know, that all the details there. But you but should be all right. And it, of... and it is, I mean, they, they've said emergency food and things like that and, and normal food should be all right. So hopefully... We are, are you... all right. Yeah, because great. we don't have a big warehouse and we'd already put in place that, you know, one person goes in in the morning, everyone else can work from home, which we had already set up because we have mums with children and in school yeah. holidays, some of them can work from home. You know, if they're doing admin work, they can do that, email it through. Someone in the office can print out all the labels and all the manifests for shipping out. And we have one girl coming at a time to pack. So we've really sorted that out with our – and everybody has their own – utensils you know your yep. sticky tape your box cutters all that stuff they're all labeled with the girl who's going to use them so there's everybody's had masks there's gloves there for unwrapping the pallets you know there's well done we've done ppe preparation right from the start yeah those businesses that didn't prepare would be devastated right now well pinky we're getting very close to the end yeah. i love your story um, is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know? <laughs> Talk about putting you on the spot. Okay. I joined a skydiving club when I was 19. <laughs> Are you serious? Did you skydive? i serious. In Sydney, Bankstown. Yes. Amazing. Yes. That's a yes. great one. And also, just talk to me a little bit. I forgot to ask you the question about your work-life juggle. Like, now that you've got this kind of big business with your um, – with your daughter and, and her bestie, what, you know, what sort of hours are you working? Do you get your weekends off and your evenings off or are you working through? Look, I just, um, I, I think I do a bit of work most days, but I don't, I can, you know, juggle it a bit. You know, there'll be appointments where I have to do things. Yeah. But I mean, with, again, with COVID shut down, but it might be a Zoom call or it might be a meeting or something like that. Um, and, you know, I mean, I can write a blog at night if I want to. I can schedule social media posts over the weekend if I want to, you know, so it just fits in around. And before the lockdown, you know, I might have grandkids for the weekend, so I wouldn't work. I mean, last year for the very first time in seven years, my son took me and his kids because his wife was studying. We went to Fiji for a week and I left my laptop at home. I have never done that before. Wow. Yeah, no, that's a big call. Well done. Well done. Yeah. And yeah. the world didn't stop and everything the world continued. The didn't stop. It was it's all right there when I got back to it. It's amazing, yeah. isn't it? How you think, oh, my God, I can't do it. But if you were really sick or you'd had something happen, everyone well, occasionally would cope. I have had an illness come up, you know, yeah. and I've had to put things off. And I've always gone family first and, you know, health is another big value. And yeah. you do what you can do. But I, I do tend to overdo things. 
you know, I'm feeling great health-wise, so I'll go like hell because that's just me. And then it brings and you down again. And then I'll go, oops, should have, should have pulled in and gone to bed before midnight, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, okay, so now this is just the last little life light-hearted bit of it. I don't know if you love your phone as much as I do, but if you do, have you got apps that you find really useful for business on your phone? Not for business. My eyesight's not that good. Right. So I find the phone a little bit annoying, but I love Audible and I love podcasts. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And in fact, you've been listening to a whole lot of these, haven't you? You'll have to listen I've, to your I own binge, podcast. I binge listened to your podcast because you have such amazing women. <laughs> Thank I just you. love the diversity of, you know, it, it, there's not, again, just like with parenting, there's no one size fits all around business. And I no. think if you can work it that it works for you rather than the other way around. You know, there'll be times where you go hard and we'll be, you know, Sarah, Kim and I, because of time differences, the other night it was 11 o'clock at night and we were, you know, on Messenger together. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we'll have a three-way call of some sort and we'll do that together, working out, you know, or planning. But then, you know, the next day I might be in my pyjamas working. Yeah, nice. You know? I think that's great. I think that's yeah. great. Well, listen, thank you so, so much for this. I hope you're going to listen to it as part of it. The one I did this morning was with a woman who founded an oil mine, an oil, whatever, an oil company. And now we've got you who has just been so inspirational. I didn't realise quite how entrepreneurial you were. But really, just from, I'd say from a very young age, you were... I'd Do say from breaking a very out young of, age, from, out of you know, the... stealing, stealing soft drink bottles from the back of the four square store and taking them around the front and selling them to get, you know, four <laughs> cents worth of aniseed balls or something. <laughs> so funny. So if anyone wants to get hold of you, what's the best way? My website is pinkymckay.com. Yeah, and boobybickies is boobybickies.com.au. And what have we've you... got, I mean, we ship internationally too. So, yeah, so, you know, we've got Hong Kong, we've got, We've got a Singapore website, we've got a New Zealand website, we've got a distributor in Hong Kong. Like, Wow. We have got a big business now. Yes, and this is only the beginning. I can only imagine how huge it's going to become. We've just gone on to WeChat too. For the, yes. Well, there's yep. lots of Chinese people in Australia who yes. use WeChat. Yeah. Yeah, great. Well, I just can't wait to see what you do next, Pinky. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Jules. I hope you've enjoyed this She's the Boss chat episode. It was great to have you here. If you want to stay in touch, you might also like some of the other things that we've got going on with She's the Boss. Firstly, I've got the She's the Boss show, which is on Ticker TV. Now, you can watch that either on tickertv.com.au or you can download the Ticker app from any of the app stores. So Apple and Android, and they've got an app that is for your phone for your iPad or tablet, and for the smart TV. Or you could join us for our free Zoom lunches for female founders that we hold online. The best way to do any of these things really is go to she'stheboss.com.au and on there you can register for the lunches and I've also got links to the website. So either way, I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm really enjoying digging down and getting down to the nitty gritty with these women and I hope you'll join me for the next episode.